Father, thank you that you love us. Father, thank you that you've taken us from orphans to your sons and your daughters. And Father, thank you that you run after us even when we're running from you. Help us now to see you as our true Father. As we look at the scriptures that are pointed to in the Apostles' Creed this morning. Amen. So I don't know if you've seen the movie Goodwill Hunting. If you haven't, um, you really should do that today, like this afternoon after lunch. Just Netflix it or go to the Red Box at HEB. Um, in the movie, and just to warn you, there's some language there, so not kids. Um, it's about a guy named Will Hunting who is a genius-level IQ janitor. He's from South Boston. He's a Southie. Um, he's used to fighting and all of that that comes with living in Southie. Um, and he's chosen as a genius to work at MIT as a janitor. So they've got these genius kids at MIT And this professor, Professor Lambeau, puts up an impossible problem on the board. Well, one night Will is cleaning up trash, and he looks at it, kind of glances at it, and goes and grabs the pen and just solves it real quick. So Professor Lambeau comes in the next morning, and he's like, who did this? Like, none of our grad students could do it. Who solved this thing? So he searches high and low and figures out that it's this kid from Southie, Will Hunting. So he decides he's going to take Will under his wing, kind of develop him, help him become who he really is, right? But then Will gets in a fight with a cop, which normally doesn't go well for your social standing. Um, And so Professor Lambeau somehow gets leniency from the judge if Will will go see a counselor, okay? So enter Robin Williams, who is the counselor, Sean McGuire. So they start this awesome, awesome relationship. And it's really this beautiful picture of a father figure that's going after the heart of an orphan soul. And there's a scene at the very end. Um, if, if you've seen it, you know that you need a box of tissues for this scene. But it's, it's the very last session, right? Will comes in. Says, all right, Sean, I guess you just got to sign something real quick so that I don't have to go to probation anymore, blah, blah, blah. And he stands up and he says, Will, it's not your fault. I know, Sean. I know it's not my fault. Will, it's not your fault. Son, it is not your fault that your dad beats you. And he keeps backing up, backing up. Until he can't back up anymore because Will has hit a wall. And Sean keeps approaching. Son, it's not your fault. Son, it's not your fault. Son, it is not your fault. And then you see this beautiful moment where Will breaks. And he allows this man to hold him and to let him weep. And it's this incredible moment of healing, right? It's, it's this moment where a father figure heals a man's heart. He'd proven his love for Will, and it changed Will's life forever. 
For many of us, um, we, we can have a difficult time approaching God as our Father because our example is our dad. A lot of times it's hard for us to see God as our heavenly Father because of our earthly dads. Some of us had really good dads. Some of us didn't. Some of us had some horror stories like Will did. Um, abusive, drunk, neglectful. And we get our cues from the way that our dads treated us. So we become weary of God as our father, right? We've, we've seen the passion of the Christ. We've seen the older Jesus movies. So we can approach Jesus fairly well. Um, some of us have had some physical experiences with the Holy Spirit, so we can approach the Spirit, but to say God is our Father, for some of us, is difficult. And even if you had a good dad, he wasn't as sinful. He didn't do everything right, because we live in a post-Genesis 3 world where sin has messed up the original design of a dad. Um, Guys, what you were supposed to get from your dad is that you're strong, that you're capable, that you have what it takes. Ladies, um, what you're supposed to see when you put on your little dress is this delight in your dad's eyes. That's what you're supposed to see. Our dads are supposed to provide for us, to protect us, to pastor us. And some of us didn't get that. When you look at um, TV or you listen to some popular music, the kids say pop music. Just kidding. We've always said pop music. What you find when you listen is you find men and women acting out of dad wounds, right? You find an angry, violent young man. Most of the time you look back in his past and you find that his dad was absent. You find a promiscuous young woman. A lot of times you'll find the exact same thing. And so, again, we receive our cues about our Heavenly Father from our earthly dads. Now, remember what Matt said last week about belief. Anybody remember the Greek word? Pistis, okay? So it's not just belief. Honey, I believe I locked the door, but I could be persuaded otherwise when the alarm company calls, right? It's this this idea of wholehearted trust, And so for some of us, it's easy to believe that God exists, but to believe as pistis means that God is our Father is a little more difficult. Um, Matt, as we're working through the Apostles' Creed, Matt got us through two words last week in about 30 minutes, so we're going to try to tackle nine. Um, Matt got us through I believe, and this morning we're going to explore who it is that we are professing this belief in. Um, A lot of you grew up in a more liturgical tradition, so you've recited the Apostles' Creed most of your life. I'm a newbie. Um, I grew up in a Baptist Bible church tradition, so dare I say it, um, I've just discovered the Apostles' Creed in the last three years, which I know sounds really weird and sacrilegious. Um, But what's interesting is I can already state it from memory without ever thinking what I'm saying. I can already recite it from memory. In our preaching series this summer on the Apostles' Creed, 
is designed to slow us down. Okay, it's designed for us to really examine word by word this precious document. And even more than that, the scriptures that this document points us to. Okay? So in that vein, I want to examine this morning's section word by word. So Matt got us to I believe. Now we get to in God. I believe in God. So most peoples and cultures have come up with Um, an idea of a deity, right? Because there's something, as Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. There's something innate in humans where we know that a higher power exists, right? And the Bible um, doesn't try to prove it. The Bible doesn't try to prove the existence of God. It just assumes it, okay? Okay? So it's the Word of God, so you obviously have to have an author. So again, the Bible does not try to prove the existence of God, but rather assumes it. So when we say, I believe in God, it's not just an intellectual, mental assent. It's what Matt said last week. It's trust, and it's obedience. And so belief in God is that He was he is and he always will be. This, this is the God that we believe in because according to what he handed down to us, he always was, right? But he doesn't stop there. What is the substance of this God that we believe in? Look what Jesus says when he teaches us to pray. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, Abba, Father, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. I and the Father are one. And so when Jesus speaks of God as Father, he's implying relationship. He's pointing to relationship. And as we read um, the gospel this morning, to illustrate that point, he tells a story about a dad and his two sons. We know it. We've just heard it. But we've got the younger son who's ready to go to Vegas. Okay? He's like, Dad, I want all the money that's due to me. And he packs his bags pretty quickly, and he heads off to Vegas. Well, it doesn't go so well. He um, loses it all on whiskey and women. And then he's kind of there, and he's saying, okay, um, I need to eat. I've exhausted the funds that my dad gave to me. What am I going to do? He decides to hire himself out. Now, remember, this is the privileged son of a wealthy landowner. He hires himself out to a pig farmer, and he's so destitute, he comes to the end of himself, that he longs to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. So he comes up with a plan. He says, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, my father will have enough mercy to let me come home, not to be a son again, but just a servant, right? You know the story. So the son starts limping back home just hoping that Father will let him work. And there's Dad. He's been sitting, watching. He's been watching and watching and watching. Instead of allowing his son to do what his son assumed was right and good, which is to repent 
and to go immediately to the servants' quarters. This good father runs and he grabs his son and he holds him and he spins him around and he kisses him on the neck. He said, Son, you're home. You're home. And he says, You get his robe. You get his ring. You get the cue fired up. Get the best brisket. This son of mine that was lost is now home. Let's party. Let's party. So awesome story up to this point, right? Now we come in the picture. Now the religious guys come in, right? We've got the older brother, and he steps in. He hears this commotion. Here's the DJ. The dutiful son gets upset. I get it. I'm him. I'm him in the story. He gets upset because he has been dutiful. He has been faithful And the squanderer is getting a party thrown for him. Tim Keller says something really interesting about this. He says, Do you realize then what Jesus is teaching? Neither son loved the father for himself. Uh Uh-oh. Neither father, neither son loved the father for himself. They were both using him for their own self-centered ends rather than loving, enjoying, and serving him for his own sake. Yeah, that's, that's all of us, right? But what do we see the heart of the Father? It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. The Father is after the hearts of his sons. That's what he's after, and he employs different methods to win them back, to ransom their hearts back. So when we call God our Father... What we're acknowledging is that we were created by God for relationship with him and just like this dad, that he's after our hearts. He's after our hearts. We also acknowledge that we were made in his image. We also acknowledge that he's our provider and our protector. So not only is this God that we profess belief in very good, He's also super powerful, okay? So, so God is really good. He's, he's like this dad that we see in the prodigal son story in Luke 15. But he also happens to be um, God in the sense of he's all-powerful. Uh, the Greek there is pantokrator. Um, the, the Latin is omnipotens. Our great God is great. He is all-powerful. And Acts 4.24 even says that he created the heavens, the earth, the land and the sea and all that is in them. So what that means is that our father who is after our hearts also happened to create every single element that went into those bricks, these chairs, this concrete, every single thing that's around us right now was created by God and yet this great God of ours is after our hearts. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty maker of heaven and earth. This is the God that we believe in. So brass tacks real quick for those of you that um, 
need, need some specific instruction. Um, this would be me, by the way. What does it take for us to go from an orphan to a son or a daughter? Right? If, if God created us to be in relationship with him, how do we go from orphans to sons and daughters? Well, the easy, quick answer is you take him up on his offer. What's the offer? I'm glad you asked. Basically, we were all over here in sin. Not just the fact that we committed sins, but we were born with a sin nature. And we need to get over there. That's where the Father is. That's where he dwells in perfect holiness. But because of sin, we've been separated. And it wasn't just that we were separated. It's it's actually that we're his enemies, as Paul talks about in Romans. Um, We were the ones that said... You know what? Who you are and what you provided is not enough. It's not going to cut it. So I'll just take my inheritance and leave now. That's what sin nature does to us. It makes us orphans. So God condescends himself. He sends his son to the earth to die, to be buried, and to be resurrected. So you've got to take him up on his offer that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Acts 2.38, when the crowd is asking Peter, what must we do to be saved? What do we do with this body of evidence you've just presented us with? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So step one is you take him up on his offer. Then, once relationship is established, how do we know this father? How do we know him? We follow the example of his son. Once we're sons and daughters, we follow Jesus' example, right? He gets away from the crowds and his work day and his ministry, and he retreats to go be with the father. So we retreat, we, we go and we pray. We also... Take him up on this. This is his self-revealed word. So how do we know about him as our father? Well, prodigal son's a pretty good place to start. Uh, Then we just read all the verses that describe him as our father. We take Jesus' example. So that's all well and good, but if you had Will Hunting's childhood, this is going to be a really difficult sermon for you to listen to. So maybe you've taken him up on his offer. Maybe you've read the scriptures. Maybe you do pray. But how do we repair that which was marred by the fall? How do we repair that which was broken? How do we connect with this God as our Father when all we've experienced is the brokenness of our own dads. For those of us in that camp, the concept of what a father is needs to be reclaimed. So what are some ways we can do that? Um, for me, um, as I've been refathered, as God has reclaimed and redeemed that word in my life, it's meant that I've had to meditate on Scripture. I have to believe what this says about him. The only way I can believe it is if I know it. 
um, you can go back and receive healing prayer from the prayer teams in this area of your life. That, that's been a tremendous source of healing as God's refathered me. Um, counseling is another great resource. Books on who the Father is. Uh, your brothers and your sisters asking for their help is all part of this process. But I would submit to us this morning, if we don't get healing in this area, we miss out. We miss out terribly. So what would happen if we did get healing in this area? What would it look like? What if? Guys, what, what if we started to lean into our sonship? What would that do? That, that thing inside your heart when you watch that scene with Sean and Will? Like, that is good and right, and it's from the Father, because he wants to heal your heart. Ladies, what, what would it look like to get healing, to really believe against what our culture tells you, that you're clothed, clothed with strength and dignity and honor because you're a daughter of the king? What would it look like? St. Irenaeus says this, The glory of God is man and woman fully alive. The glory of God is when we fully realize our identity as the fathers. So this morning, if, if you're not there, if you're like me and you still need healing, just ask him. If earthly dads can give good gifts, our Heavenly Father certainly can. And just like this prodigal, he's after our hearts. In fact, he's been looking at the horizon your whole life. He's been waiting for you to come home. He wants to party. He wants to show you your worth. He wants to grab you and kiss you on the neck and tell you how loved you are. This is our great God. This is the one that we profess belief in. Let me just say, um, if your dad didn't do it right, it's not your fault. It's not. But your heavenly father isn't going to let you stay there. So my encouragement to us is to let him refather you. Let him heal those years that were taken away. So as we come to the table this morning, let's remember that the Father is waiting for us. He loves us. He's clothed us with honor and dignity and strength. And he rejoices over us. Father, Thank you that you are our true Father. Thank you that you have clothed us with strength and dignity and honor as your sons and your daughters. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to actually believe that. 
Lord, in our brokenness and in, in, in the homes that we grew up in. For some of us, that's really hard to believe. But Lord, we just ask that you would help us overcome our unbelief. You are our good, good Father. Help us to believe it, Lord.